Hello, and welcome to the Dr. Jocker's Functional Nutrition Podcast, the show designed to give you science-based solutions to improve your health and life. I'm Dr. David Jockers, doctor of natural medicine and creator of drjockers.com, and I'm the host of this podcast. I'm here to tell you that your body was created to heal itself, and on this show, we focus on strategies you can apply today to heal and function at your best. Thanks for spending time with me, and let's go into the show. This podcast is sponsored by my friends over at ShopC60.com. If you haven't heard of Carbon 60 or otherwise called C60 before, it is a powerful Nobel Prize winning antioxidant that helps to optimize mitochondrial function, fights inflammation, and neutralizes toxic free radicals. I'm a huge fan of using C60 in conjunction with a healthy lifestyle to support your immune system, help your body detox, and increase energy and mental clarity. If you are over the age of 40 and you'd like to kick fatigue and brain fog to the curb this year, visit shopc60.com and use the coupon code JOCKERS for 15% off your first order and start taking back control over your health today. The products I use, I use their C60 in organic, MCT coconut oil. They have it in various different flavors. They also have sugar-free gummies that are made with allulose and monk fruit. They also have carbon-60 and organic avocado and extra virgin olive oil. When it's combined with these fats, it absorbs more effectively. And carbon-60 is great as a natural energizing tool because it really helps your mitochondria optimize your energy production. Now, if you take it late at night, for some individuals, it may seem a little bit stimulating. So that's why we recommend taking it earlier in the day, and it will give you that great energy, that great great mental clarity that you want all day long. It will help reduce the effects of oxidative stress and aging and really help you thrive. So again, guys, go to shopc60.com. Use the coupon code JOCKERS to save 15% off your first order and start taking back control of your health today. Welcome back to the podcast. Got a really exciting topic for you. Many of you have asked about doing a masterclass on blood markers for leaky gut and various infections. And that's what we're doing today. I've got Hampton Young, my awesome functional health coach. And he's also got a mastery in functional blood chemistry. And we're going to go through this in detail. You can reach out to Hampton too if you want him to look at your labs. Just at Hampton at drjockers.com. You can find his coaching page as well on our website, drjockers.com. And in this interview, we're going to talk about H. pylori infections, the problem with H. pylori. And we're going to talk about key blood markers that you might see associated with an H. pylori infection. We're going to talk about key lab markers for gut inflammation. We're going to talk about the importance of stomach acid and labs to analyze for that and the key nutrients that are impacted by leaky gut and malabsorption. So this is going to be a great masterclass for you guys. You're going to really enjoy this content. Again, you can reach out to Hampton just at Hampton at drjockers.com. He works with people all around the world, looks at their labs and customizes healing programs for them. So definitely check that out. You guys are going to love this podcast. Please share it too with anybody that you know and that you care about and leave us a five-star review. Just go to Apple iTunes, scroll to the bottom. That's where you can leave the review. And that helps us reach more people and impact more lives with this message. So thank you so much for doing that. And thank you for being a part of our community. And let's go into the show. 
Well, hey, Hampton, always great to connect with you and really excited about this topic. A lot of people have been asking about how they can look at just their routine blood work, a comprehensive metabolic panel, right? Um, you know, a, a, a complete blood count. And if that actually gives them any information when it comes to what's happening with their gut health. And most doctors, you know, you go in, you get just a regular uh, complete blood count and you get, you know, the, the, the CMP, the comprehensive metabolic panel, maybe some liver enzymes, they look at it and they say, oh, you have a major problem or you don't. And they don't really give any, any sort of information in between. And they definitely don't tell you about what's happening in your gut based on those, those labs. And so that's what we want to do is really help people understand that. And I know you've got some, some mastery training in this. So I'm excited to, to go further with this. Yeah, absolutely. Well, first, thanks for having me, Dr. Jockers. It's always a pleasure to be with you uh, on these podcasts and summits. Um, and yeah, I totally agree. I, I love blood chemistry. Uh, I'm grateful for going through Dr. Weatherby's ODX um, blood, blood chemistry uh, mastery training. Um, it's a passion of mine. I love it. And um, to your point, yeah, a lot of folks um, at least routinely get blood work if they haven't done functional testing um, they've probably done some form of blood work, a standard CBC, like you mentioned, blood chem panel. And um, there really is a lot of good information that we can garner from even just a standard panel, particularly around um, gut and digestive health and uh, stomach acid and the, the liver and, and the pancreas and all these digestive organs. And so um, I've just been uh, fascinated by learning about how much depth there really is there. And I think it's it's really helpful. Like I said, a lot of people have already had these tests or they get them routinely. And it can be can provide a really good window into what's going on digestive um, along with your symptoms. But um, then it can also kind of set the stage to, to decide if you do need to take another step and get some more functional diagnostic testing like a stool map, um, organic acids, which are great tests in of themselves. But this can be kind of a good entry level uh, place to start. So I've got a few uh, patterns I wanted to kind of go through. Um, I'm thinking just to kind of walk through like um, from the top down, kind of starting with stomach acid, um, protein digestion, moving our way to the liver, pancreas, and small intestine. Um, kind of talk about some of those patterns if that sounds good for you. Yeah, that's perfect. And, uh, you yeah. know, I've talked a lot about stomach acid on my podcast, Summit blog, with stomach acid just so critical because that's where we actually sterilize the food that's coming in. That's where you start to break down protein for protein digestion because protein has to be broken down into amino acids. That's where you absorb key minerals like zinc. It's very critical for iron absorption, for uh, chelating and, and ionizing certain minerals like, um, like calcium, magnesium. Vitamin B12, really critical that we get enough stomach acid to activate intrinsic factor, which is a protein that helps us with B12 absorption. So yeah, stomach acid is so key. And there's so many people out there that have low stomach acid. And again, these routine labs can actually see some markers associated with that. So let's go right into it. So when you look at your blood chemistry panel, you're going to see the section with prote total protein. You're going to see um, a component of that total protein. There's two um, that the liver makes called albumin and globulin. Um, and uh, albumin is going to be um, a protein that's really helpful with fluid regulation, fluid balance, mineral uh, transport, antioxidant transports throughout to the cells, throughout the body. Um, and then the globulin is a protein that's primarily associated with 
um, inflammatory reactions. If you think of immunoglobulins, these are proteins that are the surveillance uh, system that work in tandem with the micro, uh, the microbes in the microbiome and the gut. Um, and so the component of those is made in the liver, the protein component. So globulin is associated a lot with the immune system and inflammatory response. So um, this, this basic pattern here uh, I'm starting with is, is for a low stomach acid pattern, a low HCL pattern. Um, and so we, we look first at, at the total protein. Um, total protein, it's pretty self-explanatory. It's, it's a base level of how much total protein is moving through your blood at, at, at the given time of the test. And so um, when this is low, of course, we're working with functional ranges. So this is like looking at a tighter lab range for optimal health. Um, and so, so this, the, when this range is low, generally between a 6.9 and 7.4 is what you're looking at. When it's below like a 6.9, 6.8, um, somewhere around there, um, we start thinking, okay, protein is low in the blood. So the number one thing that Dr. Jockers just mentioned for the first step in protein digestion is stomach acid. Start denaturing those proteins in the stomach after we eat them. So that's a that's clue number one. We're thinking, okay, we're lower in protein. First step we look at, okay, stomach acid. And so then we're going to go down and we're going to look at a breakdown of the uh, globulin. And that's, that's, a, that's the protein I mentioned with the inflammatory uh, response, the immune um, protein building block essentially for those amino proteins such as IgA, IgG, IgE, these proteins that you've probably heard some about. Um, so if the the globulin can either be increased or decreased. Um, again, we're looking at your symptoms. If you're working with a practitioner like myself um, or, or another coach, um, we're going to be seeing, well, how does this apply to you? But in general, if the globulin is, um, let's say, if the globulin is increased, so you have a low total protein, you have an increased globulin, then we're going to be thinking, okay, there is um, undigested proteins that are coming through the stomach, low stomach acid. They're getting pushed into the small intestine prematurely, undigested. And then the small intestine is, has to send those undigested proteins to the liver. And then the liver is, is saying, hey, wait, th these aren't digested right. So there's an immune response going off, which is why we'll see elevated globulin because there's an inflammation immune response. And so the liver's releasing more of these um, helping you know the immune system these proteins out to help with that inflammatory response um, and then the liver can get backed up and start to have some oxidative stress if that goes on too long so that would be with some uh, liver stress and small intestinal stress but again keep in mind we're talking about stomach acid so this is because stomach acid is likely low um, now if we have a decreased globulin um, that's going to be where where the, the liver is not getting the basic building blocks, the amino acids that it needs to actually create the immunoglobulins, the proteins that we were just discussing. So it can be high or low in this context, but this is where um, the, the root that we're talking about is low stomach acid. It can cause either one of those situations to occur with the globulins in the liver. So that's helpful to note, especially when I'm working with somebody, I'm going to be asking them, you know, symptom-wise, um, other accompanying symptoms, what they might be experiencing. And that helps me kind of gear into how low stomach acid might be working downstream to negatively affect the small intestine or the liver or the pancreas. Um, so, okay, that's globulins. 
the next marker that we look at here with the low stomach acid pattern is going to be, um, again, an increased or decreased BUN, that's B-U-N, blood, urea, nitrogen. Um, generally, you'll see an increased BUN in, in this type of pattern, um, again, because there is a higher uh, um, liver protein metabolism breakdown of the BUN, and the liver is responsible for protein metabolism as far as breaking down the the, uh, or separating the individual amino acids and then recoupling them together to produce peptides and enzymes and hormones and things. So if you see an increase in bun, um, the, the liver is either um, getting overwhelmed again to have to pick up the slack, so to speak, from the lack of stomach acid. So it's overworking to try to help as best it can with the, the metabolism and the digestion of these um, you know, pre, premature uh, undigested proteins. Um, but then the, the other component of this is the kidneys are actually responsible. The liver would process the bun and then send it, send it to the kidneys and the kidneys will, will re release it. You know, they'll, they'll eliminate it. Um, and so, so, <clears throat> so they take the, the BUN, they turn it into urea and then they excrete yep. it through urine. Yep. hundred percent. Yep. Thank you. So the, the kidneys are going to, if they're getting a, an overwhelmed, amount of, of bun because we're having protein mal um, you know digestion from low stomach acid then we'll have you know slower excretion so either of those scenarios is going to increase our bun which again we're saying okay well this is being triggered because we've got a high likelihood of low stomach acid um, and so that's something that we see quite often and then a third component uh, with the bun um, when when you have low stomach acid you're overwhelming the liver the kidneys can't keep up so to speak in this scenario, um, the, the microbes themselves actually can, can help out and then they'll, with breaking down um, the bun and the, and the proteins that produce the urea. Mm. And so then that can actually create an overabundance uh, of, of bun as well. So you can see it elevated in this context as well because the microbes, the wrong you know, types of microbes a lot of times, they're still gonna try to help, but they're gonna start to then um, damage if they get overworked, damage the small intestinal lining, and we'll talk about that here in a few minutes. So a high but, bun could be could be an indication of <clears throat> dysbiosis, gut dysbiosis. Yeah, totally, totally. Yep, and that's a great point. And as I go through some of the other patterns, these markers are all we're we're going to be discussing these markers in just different contexts. But mm -hmm. absolutely, they're all interconnected, and that's that's and what's what's, so cool. what's that normal range too for bun? What should people? And also, yeah. you guys, <clears throat> as you're listening to this. Pull out your lab work so you can look at some of these markers. Yeah. You know, pull it out if you've yeah. had any sort of recent. I mean, it could be years ago, right? Just pull it out so you guys have some sort of reference, mm -hmm. and you're looking at this, and you're looking at these ranges. You can start to see certain patterns. Yeah, totally. The bun, blood, urea, nitrogen. The upper level would be 16 to 18 um, milligrams per deciliter if, if you have your test and you're looking at it. Um, generally, north of 18 in conjunction with uh, like a lower total protein. Uh, maybe you have increased or decreased globulin. Um, if your bun's elevated, this is this is kind of starting to form the uh, elevated or the the low stomach acid pattern that we're looking at with an elevated um, bun. So that would be um, what we're looking at with bun. If you're on the lower end of bun, as I mentioned, this can also be an issue if um, you're just having uh, low stomach acid and you're not absorbing proteins, you're not breaking them down, you're not absorbing them. Um, then that's going to be low on the low side, lower than 10, nine to 10. Um, if you're really low, that's another indicator 
that there's something going on and most likely stomach acid is, is highly involved in that process. Um, I did want to circle back. I'm not sure if I mentioned the range for the globulins. Um, the high range would be 2.8 grams per deciliter. Mm-hmm. Low end would be, um, you know, less than 2.4. Um, so the, those would be the high and the low end for, for the globulin. I just wanted to interrupt this podcast to tell you about one of my favorite supplements. It's Paleo Valley's grass-fed organ complex. It's like a supercharged multivitamin that allows you to get a full spectrum of traditional superfoods loaded with nutrients into your body faster, easier, and without having to tolerate the taste. You see, grass-fed organ complex contains not one, but three organs. It contains heart, liver, and kidney, which are extremely rich in B vitamins, vitamin A, minerals, coenzyme Q10, key things like selenium. These nutrients support your energy, your mental clarity, your immune health, as well as your skin. And they're found in the most bioavailable form that our ancestors used to get. You see, whenever our ancestors would kill an animal, they would go right for the organ meat. So the most coveted parts, because that's really where the life force was. They didn't understand nutrients, but today we know that's where the B vitamins, the CoQ10, the vitamin A, the key minerals are really concentrated in these organs as opposed to the muscle meats. And most of us are just not consuming organ meats on a regular basis, but now you can. You can get grass-fed organ complex, get these vital nutrients, they're freeze-dried to really preserve as much of the nutrients as possible. And you can take this again in, in, in replacement of some sort of a multivitamin that you may have been taking before. Guys, check it out. Go to paleovalley.com forward slash jockers and use the coupon code jockers at checkout to save 15% off today. The next uh, uh, marker or several markers that you can look at um, on your test would be um, serum uh, calcium. Um, phosphorus, uh, chloride, potentially zinc, depending on the type of panel you got. A lot of times zinc's not on there. Um, I know in our comprehensive functional panel, blood panel that that we offer on drjockers.com, you do get zinc on there. But nonetheless, chloride, um, iron, calcium, phosphorus, these are all um, crucial um, minerals that are absorbed with stomach acid. So you've got to have stomach acid for them to actually start to, to get absorbed and, and then taken um, down to the lower digestive tract to really get um, you know, utilized and, and go to work for you. So those are common um, you know, minerals that you'll see um, that are low. And that's another great indicator that, hey, stomach acid is low because we're not even you know, absorbing these. Um, so that's, those are several um, easy mineral markers that you can line up with this pattern. Um, and then um, a decreased alkaline phosphatase. Uh, so this is a, a zinc-dependent enzyme. Um, this is going to be in, in the, uh, associated with uh, liver enzymes as well. But a lot of times when we have um, an alkaline phosphatase lower than like 75, um, that's another really good indicator that we're, um, we're having a, a low zinc absorption and, um, or consumption and absorption. And we know that we have to have adequate stomach acid to be absorbing the zinc. So that's, that's how this kind of ties in um, in this pattern. And so um, the, though this whole pattern is great to just get a baseline looking at, are my symptoms bloating, gas, heartburn there? 
And how am I looking with this type of pattern on my blood markers? And this is a great window and clue into um, confirming that there's likely high likelihood of low stomach acid. Yeah, absolutely. And th these are, all, again, all, all tests that you can definitely look at on your labs and get an idea of what's going on. So these are key patterns that we're looking at. Now, what's, what's another pattern that you're looking at? Well, let's just jump into H. pylori. So yeah. H. pylori pattern is, is this is, goes hand in hand with low stomach acid. Um, and so this pattern is um, very, very similar to the low stomach acid pattern. Um, with an immune component. So I know you've talked at length about H. pylori, a lot of guests yeah. have talked about H. pylori, um, but just to kind of give a quick overview of H. pylori, it is a gram-negative bacteria, it's rod-shaped, it has a propensity for mo mainly to get uh, the stomach infected, it lives in the stomach mucous membrane lining, it, it, has a, it creates a higher pH uh, environment, alkaline environment, in the stomach, the stomach needs a super low acidic pH to be optimal uh, for stomach acid production. So that limits the stomach's ability to secrete and release stomach acid. So that's why it is a huge component with many, many folks that have low stomach acid. Um, you know, Dr. Jockers has mentioned that link lots of the causal factors that create low stomach acid. But as from a, um, a microbial infection standpoint, H. pylori would be number one. Um, as far as a microbial component of, of contributing to low stomach acid, which we see quite often, um, because honestly, about 50% of H. pylori infection is asymptomatic, so you don't necessarily notice it um, with the sharp pains um, or, or maybe not even you know extreme bloating or, or heartburn. But when you're looking at your lab, you can see mineral markers, low nutrient levels. Um, you might start to connect some dots to some other things. With low stomach acid, um, there's a lot of other things you can see with this, but that's in a nutshell. That's H. pylori, and so the pattern that we look at, very very similar. I always kind of I overlap these, so I look mm -hmm. at like we mentioned, the total protein um, is it decreased. Sometimes the total protein can be this can stay the same, so we're looking at that 6.9 or a little bit lower if it's if it's decreased. Increased globulins again because we're talking about liver inflammation, small intestine. Um, you know, inflammation to that um, to that lining because undigested proteins are going down there. That creates um, oxidative stress to that really delicate cell lining wall. So, increased globulins, uh, increase or decrease bun, as we mentioned. Um, same with the minerals, but um, the, there's an immune component that we'll often see since this is a microbial bacterial infection. So, we'll we'll see uh, an increased white blood cell count. So, you'll look at your total. Um, WBC on your on your blood chem panel. Um, if that's over 7.5 or, or north of that, you start to say, okay, there's a little bit of some up regulation of, of immune cells by blood cells. Um, we'll often see an increase in neutrophils. Um, if the range is about 40 to 60. So if you're north of 60, um, and, and in particular to this pattern, um, that's something to clue in because neutrophils are um, mainly um, targeting bacteria, bacteria infections, and they are kind of a frontline defense to kind of go in and start to destroy um, foreign and pathogenic bacteria. So that's that's why neutrophils specifically, as opposed to like lymphocytes, um, are are important here. And then we have um, normal or even increased monocytes. 
Um, and, and that would be the range would be um, if you start to go north or over seven, seven, eight, nine, ten, starting to get in that range, we see, okay, well, there's an elevation in monocytes. And monocytes are like the Pac-Man, and they're really coming in to go and clean up and, and clear out the dead um, bacteria, dead neutroph- you know, dead neutrophils after they're done. It's kind of a recycling, kind of a, you know, um, yeah, Pac-Man's a great analogy to think of. That's mm-hmm. what they're doing. They're cell cleansers and, and cleaning up the debris. So if we see an elevation of those plus the neutrophils and an increase in the white blood cells, um, along with that low HCL pattern, or in this context, the H. pylori pattern, that's a really good indicator as well that we've got some immune immune activity going on. Um, and as well as the, the low stomach acid, and that's kind of how we can start to distinguish, um, maybe there's an H. pylori infection if we just have the blood test alone. Um, but I would say if you have this pattern and you have just, when you eat anything and you have extreme like stomach pain, you know, uh, that is a, a very, very clear sign and symptom that it's very high likelihood that H. pylori is, is at work. Um, yeah, a lot of burping, thing. belching, yep. Yep. reflux, right? A lot of issues mm-hmm. like that. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And and the thing with the H. pylori that's that that really tr- triggers this immune response as well is because the immune system recognizes there's something off. There's foreign bacteria going on. It'll send white these white blood cells and neutrophils. It'll send it send it up into the stomach and be released. And a lot of times, what happens if we have we're still eating processed foods, we're highly stressed, we're sedentary, we're not hydrated. Um, you know, what happens is the immune system is trying to help, but what, what ends up happening is these white blood cells go and they just cannot overtake, uh, they can't get through the, the protective biofilm that the um, H. pylori will make. Um, they end up dying and then, you know, releasing their contents. And the H. pylori will actually feed on the cellular components of the dead white blood cells. Mm-hmm. And then as well as a lot of the, the body will send upregulate like zinc and um, uh, chloride and iodine, some of these nu- these nutritive minerals that are needed for the stomach to produce increased uh, stomach acid. But what will happen is the H. pylori will also end up feeding on those and it'll just get strengthened mm-hmm. um, because it, again, as we always talk about, it's a holistic perspective. We want to address all the root causal factors um, while we're addressing stomach acid as, as a major linchpin. Um, but that's so crucial when you have an H. pylori infection. When you see this pattern, you have the symptoms you're talking about. I just wanted to kind of reemphasize that because um, it's, it's, a, it's a whole you know, total body and lifestyle picture here. Um, so yeah. yeah, it creates a vicious cycle of inflammation mm-hmm. in the system, nutrient uh, malabsorption, right. Mm-hmm. And, uh, mm-hmm. just causes a big problem. H. pylori is, and it's a tough one to eliminate as well. You know, we have specific mm-hmm. protocols that we use, but you know, it's a tough one. And about 50% of our society has H. pylori, believe it or not. Right. And so mm-hmm. a lot of people are dealing with it. And a lot of spouses are, you know, in a sense, giving it, you know, back and forth to each other. So it's definitely a big one. We'll see that a lot on labs and that's a good one to really look at. So I'm glad that you went through that. And now that immune shift, so I want to kind of transition. There's an mm-hmm. immune shift that happens when we have parasitic infections as well. What are what are the key, you know, there's there's a particular one or two key biomarkers there that we're looking at with parasites uh, on blood. So what are we seeing there? Yeah, great transition. So right here, what, when we're talking about the immune component, parasites have a huge an immune, res- the body responds um, quite specifically to parasites. And on the blood test, the markers that uh, you would want to look at 
Really, the one marker that's most associated with the parasite would be the eosinophils. This is a type of white blood cell, eosinophil. And, and they're basically, a, um, they consume proteins, specific immune uh, immunocomplex proteins and parasitic protein structures. And that's really their task to, to break down and go after these parasites, um, environmental allergies and toxicants and things. All, all of these, um, the parasites have their own types of bacteria that are involved with them. So that's when we see elevated eosinophils. Um, th this is something that's a strong likelihood of, of, of parasite activity. When you have, um, you know, elevated lymphocytes, monocytes, th some of these other, or neutrophils, not lymphocytes, white blood cells. And so the eosinophils, if they're over three, we start to think, okay, there's probably high likelihood of some, um, some parasitic activity going on. But also we couple that with um, increased basophils. Um, they're another type of white blood cell and they're associated most specifically with, with kind of a, a acute infections. I mean, I guess it could be chronic as well. Most people have parasites for, you know, longstanding without knowing it a lot of times. But um, either way, they're really heavily involved with infections, allergies, in the inflammation response that, that, the, that just, you know, called into effect from having parasites and the metabolic waste and damage that they're creating in, in the gut lining and disrupting all of the digestive processes and the immune system, the nervous system. So uh, basal fills, um, those are generally over one. So really low margin there. Um, if they're over one, we, we, we would couple that with the elevated asanophils and think, okay, I like it, maybe some parasitic activity. And then I mentioned the monocytes again. They are just your general cleanup crew, um, um, almost nonspecific bacteria, viral, parasites, every type of immune reaction, these monocytes are generally involved to some degree. So if we, ha again, have those elevated over seven, those three combined, high likelihood there's probably, there could be some parasitic activity. And of course, we always want to know, are you, you grinding your teeth at night? Is, are you having extreme brain fog, fatigue, itchy earlobes, itchy anus? Like, are you having mood swings? I mean, there's so many symptoms that it can be associated with, with parasites, but those are some of the big ones sleep disturbance, chronic sinus in infections, and uh, like almost like a cough at night that you just can't quite clear. Um, these are some of the telltale signs, especially if you pair this with looking at your lab, lab work here, um, that you can, you know, get a clue into potential parasite activity. Yeah, that's really good. Now, there's also a pattern for intestinal permeability. So let's talk mm -hmm. about that, which is basically leaky gut. You know, it's, it's, a, yeah. it's a key topic that we talk about. So that's kind of the medical term is intestinal permeability. In mm -hmm. layman's terms, we say leaky gut. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. It, it's a good turn, uh, term, leaky gut. We're, we're absorbing things we shouldn't be absorbing, everything from even healthy foods that aren't properly broken down, chemicals on toxic foods, chemicals and metabolites produced from the wrong types of bacteria. They're all making that way through leaking right into the bloodstream. So um, yeah, good title. So as far as patterns for intestinal permeability on the blood test, the, the patterns will, will start with um, alkaline phosphatase, which we talked about, which is also involved in a low stomach acid pattern. But in this context, when we have um, an elevated alkaline phosphatase over um, 100, that's when we start to look at some gut permeability. Uh, reason being is alkaline phosphatase is, a, is a, um, a broad swath of a lot of gut 
gut ends. I mean, it's, it's involved in the gut process and enzymatic actions with the, the cell wall lining and, and opening and closing of those tight junctions. And so when we have an elevation of those, we can see there's a higher level of activity of those, which can give us a clue into, okay, maybe the, the gut is opening up um, a, a little uh, too much, so to speak. Um, and then we start to say, you know, look at key factors as to why. So alkaline phosphatase is the first one. Bun, again, is involved, blood urea nitrogen, as I mentioned. So when we get malabsorbed proteins um, from you know, the liver, the kidney, in the small intestine, we start to get this um, accumulation of bacteria that are trying to kick in and help this process. Um, they produce a lot of, of uh, urea themselves, and then that has to go back to the, the liver and then the kidney. So we'll see an elevated bun a lot of times. Um, dysbiosis that's occurring in the small intestine, which then create is a another causative, causative factor for this, um, you know, irritation and inflammation on the gut cell lining, which then is causing it to uh, to open up prematurely and let you know things pass through before necessary. So, kind of two factors going on there when we see an elevated bun with uh, intestinal permeability. Some bio, some some. Um, Mineral markers and vitamin markers such as iron and B12, um, we'll see those low. Um, we'll see if, if iron is, um, depending on if you're male or female, generally if you're under, like certainly under 50, uh, that's, a, that's a good idea that there's something going on with iron absorption or metabolism um, and, and it's not making its way. Um, getting getting broken down, getting absorbed. So stomach acid. You're talking about one. serum iron. So serum iron, serum usually iron. you want to see that around 85 to 130. So if it's dropping yeah. down under under 50. Yeah, and B12, you're looking at 500 to 800, so to speak, um, nanograms per deciliter. So on a blood test, it's it's okay. It's not the best. Um, an organic acids um, uh, test is really helpful for for B12. But either way, if you notice, there's there's a there's a very low B12 in conjunction with a low serum iron. This is another um, another telltale sign that there's intestinal permeability. Um, there's not good absorption going on. Um, and I also threw in uh, vitamin D, D3, uh, 25-hydroxy, um, because again, that's another one that we see that's, that's fairly uh, a good serum blood marker um, for vitamin D status. But again, if we're getting low levels, a lot of times there's, there's malabsorption and vitamin D is uh, absorbed primarily in the small intestines when we um, are taking it, you know, supplementation, which a lot of people are supplementing in small amounts through food. Um, so I added that in there. So if people know they're supplementing and their, their number is just not, their, their, their levels are not moving and they think they're doing everything right, then we start to look at intestinal um, permeability and, and leaky gut can be a huge factor with lack of absorption and utilization to, to, to send it to the liver to get converted and activated in the kidneys. So that's another one I added in there um, that can be helpful. The next marker I would look at would be, oh, I, I will say the, the marker for uh, vitamin D, um, the range, if you're I like anywhere from 40 to 60, depending on just for your, like a good basis. So if you're starting to go lower than, than 40s and you've been there for some time and you're supplementing, that's what we're talking about here is, is, is considering, okay, there's something absorption, uh, absorption factor going on here. Um, next next uh, in the pattern here for intestinal permeability would be um, an elevated serum uric acid level, anything above like a 5.9. 
And so uric acid is an inflammatory byproduct metabolite acid. And so this is something that we produce naturally from the breakdown of purines, but too much can be uh, acidic and damaging to the intestinal uh, lining. So again, we're, we're talking about oxidative stress. We're talking about irritation in that lining. So if that's elevated, that's another marker that you can consider here for intestinal permeability. The last one here, this is generally not ran on most tests, but if you had it, we'll throw it in there. An elevated serum uh, gastrin, uh, which is produced in, in the small intestine. It's uh, mainly produced in the stomach, but it's also produced uh, in the duodenum of the small intestine as well. And it's, it's helpful here if it's elevated because that's showing us a sign that there, there's need for increased protein digestion um, because likely there's, there's low stomach acid. And so um, again, th these are always usually generally paired. It's not like you just have, um, uh, you know, gut permeability, but you have perfect stomach acid. It's almost never that way. So it's like, it's always, it's like a, it's a connected circle here. So if we have the low stomach acid, we're getting the undigested proteins making their way into the small intestine and the small intestine has to pick up the slack. Um, and it's doing its best to do that. And, and one of the things it can do is upregulate gastrin release, which it doesn't primarily do. But the point is it's trying to break down those proteins. And because if it can't, that's where we're getting this, this, this hit to the wall there, oxidative stress and inflammation, as I keep mentioning. And that breaks down the cell wall lining and causes these tears, these perforations, these openings in the gut cell wall lining, which is why serum gastrin can be, and when it's elevated above like 90 um, th this can be a marker to look at. I know it's not one that are on most tests, but, um, if you have it on there, it, it can be helpful to add into yeah. this pattern. Yeah. Just an additional marker. Well, Hampton, this has really been great. I know we can keep going through all these different patterns and biomarkers and there's just a lot to look mm -hmm. at. Um, but you know, really the, the goal with this interview was helping you understand that your routine labs, right? A lot of these things you have gotten blood tests for B bun, blood urea, nitrogen, uh, you know, we talked about all your white bloods, you know, we talked about eosinophils, neutrophils, mm -hmm. white blood cell count. We're talking about total proteins. Just about every single person listening to this has had th this test before. If you go back in your archives, you look at your blood work, you're going to be able to pull up these markers and then you can compare them to what Hampton was talking about to kind of see if there was any of these types of patterns going on. And this is what's really cool about functional blood chemistry is really helping you understand what's happening off of these tests. And these are tests that, again, insurance covers. Every doctor runs these every day on, you know, pretty much all their patients. And you can start to see these patterns. Unfortunately, most doctors are just not trained on how to analyze these properly. And so if you want to get further testing or further analysis, reach out to Hampton, Hampton at drjockers.com. You can find his coaching page on our website, drjockers.com as well. He works with people all over the world. Uh, looking at labs and and really customizing specific healing protocols for people to overcome all these different issues that we talked about and 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 so much more. And so, you know, you want to get to the root cause of the issues that you have. Understanding these labs really helps, and and pairing them with symptoms, um, you know, really helps you get to that root cause. So again, reach out to Hampton at Hampton at drjockers.com. And uh, that way you can set up a consultation with him to review these. Hampton, any last words, inspiration here for our audience? Yeah. Um, thank you for having me, Dr. Jockers. And I, I would, um, as, as you mentioned, um, you can really do a lot with a, a standard blood chem panel if that's all you have to start with. And so I encourage 
anyone that's got that to, you know, take an inventory of, of their symptoms, look over this test, reach out to me if you want to do a base consultation, um, because I really like to meet people where they're at. And um, uh, the more I've really dug in and learned about um, functional blood chemistry, there really is a lot of good information we can glean from these traditional markers and really get you moving uh, the needle forward with your health, um, sometimes at a low entry cost and really move the, you know, turn the dial on your health and then move forward with additional functional tests as needed from there. So I hope that's been an encouragement today and um, just gets people excited to, to, you know, pursue greater health with what they might already have in their hands currently. Awesome. Absolutely. Great interview. And we'll see everybody on a future presentation. Be blessed. Well, that's all for this show. And I want to thank you again for spending your valuable time with me today. And if there was something you heard in this interview that you have questions on or you want to dive into deeper, then drjockers.com is the best place to go. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider taking just a quick moment and giving us a great review. Your reviews help us influence more people and transform more lives. And if you took something valuable away from this episode, then please share it with someone in your life you know it can help. We'll see you soon on a future podcast. Be blessed, everybody.